This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Happy Friday. I am so happy you're here. I am so excited because today we are talking all things niche building, building a business without relying on social media, and we get to have this conversation with Julie Ciardi. Now, Julie is a business and mindset coach for women who is on a mission to help women end niche drama and build referable, bookable, and visible businesses without depending on social media so that they wake up on Monday mornings loving what they are about to do. They are designing their lives by creating businesses or careers with intention, joy, and impact using our signature now goal formula, which I will let her explain to you. Julie, welcome to the show. Oh my goodness, Sarah Jane. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I know we're going to have some fun and a great conversation. So really honored to be here. Yeah, before we got on, y'all, I was like, building a business off of social media feels thrilling. So I cannot wait for us to dive into that. But first, tell us a little bit about your journey to the Enneagram. Like, how did you get into it? How did you find your type? Yes. Oh, I'm such a fan. And, you know, so I, I spent 20 years in corporate. Yeah. I was at IBM for 20 years. I was a vice president of marketing there. So when I made the big, bold move to leave that very high paying job, I was primary breadwinner for my family. And I made that jump finally. I have to say, the outside of also figuring out how to start and grow a business mm -hmm. was the evolution of me at the same time. Because mm -hmm. when you and I'm, you know, older than probably most of your listeners, I'm 49, and entrepreneurship wasn't a thing. It just mm -hmm. wasn't a thing. I mean, maybe if you owned your own hair salon or a restaurant or you know, the auto shop down the street, but it just wasn't an option, you know, to, to build these online businesses at the time. And so it was, you go to college and you go work for someone else and you pick a profession and all of that. So to go from that paradigm mm -hmm. to this whole new world of being my own boss and starting my own business and all that came with that, it required a lot of studying me and redefining paradigms and beliefs mm -hmm. and all the things. So the first two years after I left IBM, like about 18 months after I left IBM, my business was not yet making the kind of money that I needed it to make. Mm -hmm. um, my marriage was in, it was, I was struggling because, you know, I have three children. 
Um, two of them were, you know, in high school, going to be getting ready to go to college at college to pay for coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a little guy at the time he was, you know, maybe, um, you know, six years old and I, I wasn't going to give up on my dream. There was no way I wanted to go back to work for someone else, especially, uh, in, in a corporate job. And I was committed to making it work, but I was struggling with my relationships and all the things. And mm-hmm. I knew I tried all the strategies. I was trying all the marketing strategies, all the things all the gurus said to do, and yet was still struggling. And that's when I knew and I heard this like word that changed everything for me. And it's like, you know, it's the the being doing the doing. It's the being, mm. the being, trying all these strategies. That's probably the problem, you know, it's also mm-hmm. where the opportunity is. And that sparked the whole deeper journey on personal development. So it wasn't just just the books and the podcast that kind of made me, you know, mm-hmm. you know, think differently. It was no, we, I've got to do some work here. You know, I mm-hmm. have the employee mindset. I have old, you know, paradigms that are running the show. And so I, I started to work with some coaches mm-hmm. to go deeper. And I will tell you, I didn't know a lot about the Enneagram. I didn't hear a lot about it, but I knew I had a problem. I knew I had a couple of, of, of big problems. Um, opportunities, if you will. Uh, <laughs> I knew after working with a couple of more traditional business coaches that one of my big limiting beliefs was I felt that the pressure of my entire family's financial success and future was on my shoulders. And mm-hmm. that was weighing me down so much in being able to mm-hmm. actually do what I wanted to do with my business. And right about that same time of starting to uncover some of these limiting thoughts and beliefs, I was at an event and there was an Enneagram uh, expert that was speaking on stage. And I was like, interesting. I've never really heard of this before, but mm-hmm. I'm curious, right? Piqued my, my, my curiosity. And I reached out to her after the event and decided that I, you know, well, I, oh, I took the test. That's what I did. I took the test mm-hmm. first. I was like, oh, this is interesting. Let me take it. So I took the test and... Every single time I've taken the test, <laughs> and I've taken it like seven times, uh-huh. I am either a seven or a three. Okay. Seven or a three every uh-huh. single time. And it just never like truly resonated. I would then start to do, because I'm a, I'm a self-starter. So if I'm going to do something like that, mm-hmm. I'll go read the books. I'll start exploring before I kind of bring someone in that's an expert. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, none of this is really resonating. Like a little bit here, a little bit there. And that's when I said, you know what, I'm going to reach out to that person that was an Enneagram expert. So I reached out and we did a typing session. And I will tell mm-hmm. you, it, it, it's like it happened yesterday. It was in 2019. It was in 2020. It was in 2020. And I can remember I didn't have this beautiful office that I have, I've now built. I was still up in my, my corner of my bedroom trying to grow my business. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to this woman and she's asking me questions and we're going deeper. She's like, yeah, so I, I, you're, you're a four. You're an <laughs> four. And I'm like, what? And then we started going in and I, it was like, Sarah Jane, it was like someone was finally in my own brain. Yeah, It was like yeah. someone else was in my body for the first time and could actually mm-hmm. hear the thoughts that were on repeat in me that could... Mm-hmm you know, that could see the patterns. And I just cried. I just, I just started crying. And I was like, yes, that's me. 
Mm-hmm. And and of course, from that point, I started to like, you know, now utilize the tools, the books to learn about the Enneagram 4. And I'm a four wing three. Self-preservation too. Mm-hmm. Self-preservation I was going to ask well. if you're self-preserved. And I'm like, it was like huge. <laughs> yeah. I got to see where some of my pitfalls were, but also were the beauty of my, what I'm, you know, my Enneagram and and my personality and who I am. And it really just changed so much for me. I then started to like, look at like all three of my children and especially my husband, where we've had a lot of challenges. Well, he's an eight. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And just that challenge between the eight and the four and starting to dive into that deeper. And you know, when I was working with the coach that I was working with, she had said, listen, the whole point of this is, is compassion so mm-hmm. that you have self-compassion. You have compassion for others because you understand them better. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened for me. I, I became just a huge fan um, after having that own validation and being seen and also getting to know me better myself. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that wasn't too, too long, but I, it was just so powerful. I could preach it from the rooftops. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love that because I I had a similar experience where I would type wrong on tests and I had to have a coach who was like, no, you're a seven. <laughs> and I was like, I, that was my hunch, you know, but it does take kind of someone walking you through it and I mean, at least I think, I think it's really, really helpful, especially if you're a counter type. To be honest, I really Mm -hmm. do. You know, I love the work that you're doing because yes, it could be a tool that you could take the test and then go do the things on your own. But here's what's interesting about this. I've really done a lot of thinking about this. (laughs) I really have um, because a lot of um, my clients, you know, have been typed and all of that. And Mm -hmm. A lot of them are wrong. And yeah, I've heard statistics like, you know, 60% of the time or more, the test isn't mm-hmm. accurate. And so working with a coach at least to get typed is like mm-hmm. a really important first step. Mm-hmm. I, I, when we take the test and we're doing the questions, right? Guess like, yes, our personality and is answering, but, but so are our paradigms. Mm-hmm. So are our limiting beliefs and our stories, right? It's not always necessarily our truest self that's answering those questions. There's someone else in charge and it's these deep-rooted paradigms that can come up. And some of those paradigms are more applicable to certain types, so they can generally come up. But but you can see why the test might not always be so accurate. And I think that working with a trained Enneagram expert to at least get initially typed mm-hmm. is so critical because you can't use the tool for all of its glory mm-hmm. if you don't know your actual type. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you agree with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it is like a really important starting place to know where you, you know, how you've been surviving so far and to be able to have new language and new ways of thinking about it to access. Um, But how did you like get into the interest of niche work and, you know, working with women in that way? Yeah. So, you know, I have a lot of 
what I call timeless marketing experience. So I have my master's in business. I got my MBA right out of college. I you know, spent 25 years in corporate, 20 of them with IBM. I was a marketing vice president at IBM. Like I know marketing, you know, from a timeless principle standpoint. Mm-hmm. And and then when I came into the online space, I was actually kind of surprised at how little of that is taught, to be honest. Yeah. It's we have a lot of people teaching a strategy that worked for them, which is great mm-hmm. and 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 that can help some people. Mm-hmm. But what I found was over time trying to like work with different gurus and all the things to try to grow my business. I I realized I would see some people would have success and most people would not. Part of that's Mm -hmm. paradigm. Part of that's, you know, who you're being. But also not every, here's what I believe. Every strategy works, but not every strategy is for every person. And we are very unique in, in, you know, and and we've got to find the right strategy for us. And I was also very surprised at how little of kind of that timeless marketing wasn't really being taught. And niching is probably the biggest one. I know for me, I mean, it's like kind of, it's a buzzword for certain, but Mm -hmm. do people really get why and how to do it and why it's so critical versus, oh, I got to pick a niche. And it's just like something on the list. Honestly, it's one of the most important things, you know, especially, and I know you Mm -hmm. wanted to talk about the topic of building your business offline and not just online, Having a niche is critical offline. Critical. It's critical online to stand out, but it's also critical offline. And I'll talk a little bit about that uh, next. But here's what I was seeing, especially as a coach. So I went and I got trained by the Life Coach School. I got you know my initial um, uh, certification there, and then I was working with Bob Proctor and got certified with Bob Proctor on some of his methods. And here's the thing I saw. So in both of those organizations, you had thousands and thousands of people coming through those certification programs to then go build businesses, right? Mm -hmm. And the expertise of both the Life Coach School or the Bob Proctor's organization was not to be on the cutting edge of all business strategies and business building. But what would happen is you've got all these people that came out and they're like, okay, now I I just got to go try to sell this thing. I got to go try to sell life coaching. I got to go try to sell this or market this. And they're so stuck. I mean, mm-hmm. just stuck. Most people don't get past that certification, mm-hmm. wherever it's from, mm-hmm. because they're so stuck on the business side. And one of the biggest spots of being stuck is, yes, it's called not having a niche, but what the reality of that is, is that they actually don't know what to say and to who to say it to. Mm-hmm. So they've got this thing they want to sell. They've got this thing they want to bring to the world, but they just don't know how because they don't know who they're talking to, what they want to say. And when you don't know what you want to say or you don't have clarity, you're quiet. Yeah. And you cannot yeah. be quiet in marketing or you can't be too general. That's the other extreme I see. So I see two extremes. I either mm-hmm. see they don't, they actually just don't take the steps forward because they feel mm-hmm. like they don't have a niche. So they're stuck in niche drama and don't move from here. Mm-hmm. The opposite side of it is they're taking action, but it's so vague. It's like live your best life, have an abundant yeah. life. Um, I help people with be more confident or whatever it's going to be. All awesome missions, 
but not clear. It's so broad. And then they wonder why, you know, I, I think I hear all the time, I'm posting all the time on Instagram and I'm not getting any consults or no businesses coming through. It's mm-hmm. it's because it's too vague. So those were like the two extremes I would see pretty much 80% of the time with people. Mm-hmm. Those that had success took action and then continued to evolve their niche. And if you really look at, I call them celebrity entrepreneurs. So all the celebrity entrepreneurs that we all know their names, right? Every single one of them, if even if they're broad now, they Mm -hmm. earned their broad by being niched first. Every single one of them. There wasn't Mm -hmm. one of them that came with a very broad, broad thing and had success. They all niched. It's everyone's story. But people see people being very broad and they mm-hmm. and successful and they think that that's the way they can go, but you really can't. And I even say that Bob Proctor back in the day niched. His message was always the same and he always taught the same thing for 60 years. Wow. But the way he started with that same message, he niched in the insurance industry. So he would go from insurance company and prudential insurance, prudential insurance alone is what got him on the map because wow. he was so good at what he did with helping insurance agents create more sales through his mindset work and all of that, that he became like a household name with prudential insurance reps. And then from there, he earned the right to be able to help anyone in every body, you know have an abundant life and, you know, thinking into their Mm -hmm. results and all of that. So niching is like the key, but here's what I will tell you. You don't have to niche the second you start your business. Launch it to your broad, your warm market, kind of start getting it out there. Land your first several clients, at least the niche will evolve, but you then have to niche. Mm -hmm. And the niche, it's like sometimes people think, I got to pick a niche and then I'm done. Honestly, it continues to evolve. It deepens. You get better and better at fine tuning who you really want to work with, who you don't want to work with. You know, it, it, it's an evolution. You're never really done with it, but you do have to have it be the backbone of your business because otherwise people don't know what you do. Are you right for them? You're, you're usually just inspirational. Mm-hmm. Or oh, I love what you're doing. This is amazing, but no one's actually working with you because it's mm-hmm. so broad. It's so broad, right? So even something mm-hmm. at the Enneagram, you know, that could be a niche in of itself, right? Mm-hmm. But someone could niche even further and be using the Enneagram for relationships specifically, mm-hmm. right? Or the Enneagram to help to find, you know, their, their purpose or, you know, what they, you know, what they really want to do from a career business standpoint. Enneagram for parenting, right? Like the Enneagram itself is a niche, but then you can go even deeper. And I just think that people are afraid to niche too far down because they think, you know, there's not enough people out there, but I promise you, if you've ever heard the saying, the riches are in the niches, it's, it's literally the truth. That is how every celebrity entrepreneur has ever been successful. And I just want people to understand that. Yeah. And I love that you said it evolves because I think that's hundred percent true. Cause it's like, as you work with people, you start to see, Oh, this is what comes really 
I have energy for this. Or I feel in like really, I look forward to these sessions, you know, more than others. And um, I mean, when I first started coaching, I was like helping people set goals. And then I was like a burnout coach, which, you know, and then I added the Enneagram to that. And it is, it's like it evolved over time. It's such a solution. It's yeah. a, and I love that you mentioned that with the clients. So one of the, one thing I teach my clients is you take all the clients that you've worked with and you take sticky notes and you can use a wall or a mirror or window and you've got a yes column and a no column. Mm-hmm. And you kind of write the name of every client you have and you're going to put, is this, are they a, a heck yes or a no? And, and lovingly a no, like lovingly, mm-hmm. like just grateful and thankful that they were a client but that's not who I want to work with. And you start to do that and and you do it often. Like this is something that I highly recommend that no matter what stage of business someone is at, you can do this exercise. And if you have a ton of clients, do a sampling. But the idea here is that you will start to see a pattern. Mm-hmm. Why are these people a yes? Why are these people a no? Right. And then you start to go, oh, these people are yeses because they actually all came from corporate. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. These people have all different backgrounds. Oh, I love working with these people because even something kind of not that's not tangible, like, wow, they actually show up to every call. Oh, they take action. What happens from that is you start to change what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So now, oh, they're all in corporate. Well, now I'm going to make sure that that's what I'm saying in my marketing. And oh, you know, you're the kind of person that shows up and takes action. You, you know, you are always, you know, um, you know, going to do what you said you're going to do. You have a lot of self-integrity. When you start using those words, you're actually going to weed out the people that don't identify that way, mm-hmm. right? So if you always are doing this, that's why, you know, when you think about, pick your avatar and, you know, doing those. That's not what I mean by a niche. It's like, it's, it's, it's this actual evidential, it's like evidence-based, evidence-based niching, right? Mm -hmm. Where you start with some clients and you keep niching based on doing that exercise or a new tool comes into your life. Like, you know, like for me, I've been loving the gene keys. Like, so I've been bringing that into my work. There's a fly in here that's buzzing in front of my face. Like go like this. Um, I, you bring a tool in, right? That Mm -hmm. evolves. That's going to make your niche shift Mm -hmm. by starting to talk about that particular tool. But if it's your passion, and that's a heck yes. So, just I think the the idea that it's not going to just be this avatar worksheet that you're going to do once. You're going to continue to refine based on the evidence of who you're working with and what lights you up, what you thoroughly enjoy. And then you adjust your marketing message to get more of that. That's how you niche. Mm-hmm. I love that because it is, it's like you're, you're creating the, the pie to sit in the window to call in the right people kind of, you know, I think, I think about recently too, like being marketed to when I'm someone else's niche and I find it thrilling like if I my I recently joined a program and they did this whole marketing sequence and they knew me so well without knowing me, you know, I was like so their target market and they spoke to my needs so well that I was like, it is a no brainer that no this brainer. is for me. It was like, absolutely, this is for me. You made this for me special. 
you want to enter. And, and I love that you just shared that because what that, what, whoever was doing that marketing hit it perfectly. The whole idea mm-hmm. is you want to join the conversation that's already happening in your clients, your dream client's head. Like you're just coming mm-hmm. on in there and joining what's already happening in their, in their mind. Mm-hmm. That's marketing. And you know, you're hitting it when you start to get feedback from your dream client and they say, oh my God, it's like you were in my head. Mm-hmm. It's, this is exactly what I've been struggling with. And you start to see that. I'll never forget when that started to happen for me. I was about a year into my business and I, I was still at that, that space where online I was still like, oh, I, I was being too vague because I was like, oh, my brother-in-law is watching this live and my, my cousin Shannon's watching this live. And, like, and then I would get like, <laughs> ugh. So I was very vague. And when I made the switch to truly talk to my one person, that's when the messages started coming in in the DMs going, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I'm struggling with. Oh, thank you for saying that today because this is what's happening for me too. Oh God, that's how I feel. Like we have this whole thing called about TGIM. Thank God it's Monday. <laughs> Loving what you get to do. And my person knows, I know how they feel on Sunday night. It feels terrible. They're, it's awful. They're in this job they don't want to be in. You know, and it's like the, the pit in your stomach that starts to develop. Well, guess what? Anyone that's old, that's always been an entrepreneur or someone that um, loves their job, that's not going to resonate with. And that's great. It shouldn't. But the person that literally starts to dread Monday at Sunday at one o'clock in the afternoon, that person is it's resonating with, right? And yeah. so the more that you can tap into it, and here's the beautiful thing, for most of us, for most of us, not all of us, but for most of us, it is some version of us and our past and our journey that resonates like this, you know, magnet to the people that, you know, we end up working with. And so the beautiful part is, is that if you keep evolving you, mm-hmm. the niche keeps evolving with you as well. And it's mm-hmm. really fun, you know, to, to see people come along the ride with you because you continue to evolve. I'm sure you saw that when you started to work with the Enneagram, I'm sure clients, mm-hmm that you were working with on burnout and goal setting were like, oh, yes, tell me more about this Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Did you find that? Oh, absolutely. Brought it in so fast. And they were, yeah, it kind of like carried into the work that we were doing. And I'm curious because I, I do have so many clients now who when I say, okay, we need to find your niche, they're like, uh, and we'll come with come to you with like the most vague things. And I'll be like, no, we need to go deeper. Um, what do we say like what what do you have for the people who are like I really feel nervous to do that to like claim a niche yeah well honestly i think anyone that's just starting mm-hmm. doesn't have to mm-hmm. you know i when i was uh getting trained by the life coach school there it was actually quite humorous the you know Brooke Castillo who runs the life coach school her philosophy is you don't launch your business until you have a niche and that niche should be like so unique, right? <laughs> and then there's someone that teaches sales to life coaches who was trained by Brooke and she actually helps the life coach school and has a totally different philosophy. Mm-hmm. Her philosophy is, oh no, you could be wildly successful as a life coach with no niche, right? So I've heard people be like, well, which one's right? Well, they're both right. They're both 100% right. 
but there's a time and a place and a phase of your business for each. So I'm a big fan that when someone is first starting, I'm going to be honest. I mean, it's rare that someone's going to really know what their niche is and try to pick their niche. And in fact, it could be what keeps them stuck. (laughs) It's better to use this other strategy of, okay, I can be a generalist in my area. So you could be a generalist life coach. Maybe you're a generalist Enneagram coach. Maybe, Maybe you're more general to start. And you launch to your warm market. You have not been here for what, however many years you've been on the planet without people that know you. So you, you, you just start. You can be a bit vague. You can say, hey, I'm launching my new life coaching business. I'm launching this Enneagram business. And because you're still very much in this booking consults to get your first clients, you can do a more generic consult. It doesn't have to be so locked in. Mm-hmm. And then what you do is after you land your first five or 10 clients that way, that's when you start to see, ooh, which clients do I love to work with? What do I love? This is what happened to me. I I started as a general life coach and I had like seven clients all from launching. I knew them all somehow or they threw someone or whatever, or, you know, someone heard me on a podcast that was like one of them. That's it. And I quickly could see out of the seven, oh, I love working with the woman that has a job she doesn't love and she wants to build this business to get to get freedom. Mm-hmm. That's what she wants. That's who I can help. And that's who I want to help. Could I help all the other people I was working with? Yes. I didn't want to work in relationships. I didn't want to work with, you know, um, overeating. I didn't want to work with some of these other people that I was working with. And that, but I wouldn't know that. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, I the very first thing I did because I did, fo- I actually did follow that advice of you got to pick a niche and it's got to be blue ocean mm-hmm. and blah, 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 blah. very in the very very beginning when I didn't quite have my coaching business yet, but I started my podcast. I started my podcast five and a half years ago, and I'm like, well, it's got to be this perfect niche. Yeah, and I ended up picking. I, I, I I'm divorced and remarried, and I'm um I, I co-parent like a boss with my my kid's dad. We have like the most incredible relationship. We've been divorced 15 years now and we really have a very interesting story. And so I was like, oh, well, that's what I will do. I'm going to help people. I'm going to help women still have beautiful families even after divorce. And I know that's all mindset and all this inner work. Divorced Mommy was the name of my first podcast. Wow. And I started to get comments from people. I wasn't even working with anyone yet. I was just kind of like getting things in my DM. It was resonating, but Mm -hmm. not with people I wanted to work with. It was people that a lot of blame, you know, narcissistic spouses and all this stuff and this anger. And I'm like, oh no, no, this, this is not where I want to be, but I wouldn't have known that. I took action. I took action, but I didn't need to do it that way. I could have probably launched a more generic because guess who was listening to my podcast? Happily married people I knew. (laughs) <laughs> loved what I was teaching on mindset, yeah. but they couldn't tell anyone they were listening to that podcast because it would raise eyebrows. Why are you <laughs> listening to a podcast called Divorce Mommy? So they couldn't even share it. So my point in sharing that is that you don't know. Don't try to get that niche wrapped in a bow to then go launch your business because you'll either stay stuck and never launch or it's going to fall flat, but you'll learn anyway. So just get out there. If you want, you can do it one of two ways. Pick a niche, go see what happens. It's going to work. Yeah. Gonna yeah. I, I love yeah. what you're saying because it is like 
you're going to figure it out either way. Like you're going to, you're gathering data and that data is going to impact how you choose to move forward. And I think is a niche is evidence-based. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than thinking mind thinking. It's Mm -hmm. not. It's going to be a little bit of that, but you're going to evolve that niche the more experience you have with working with people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we know how this looks online, right? Like, okay, I know how this to do this on social media, but what do we do if we want to build this off of social yes. media? So here's the key. Businesses have thrived and have grown before Facebook started in what, 2009, 2008. Okay. So for like thousands of years. This goes back to the timeless, right? Mm-hmm. The timeless marketing principles. I'm, I honestly believe that in-person is the new platform mm-hmm. <laughs> and people are craving it as well. So if someone's interested in ways in which to build their business offline or maybe a hybrid, I like, I like to do a hybrid. It's, the first, the, the biggest one that is the easiest is having referral, having referrals, right? Having a referral program or strategic partners that refer you. So in order to be referable though, this is where you do need to have done some work on the niche. So it's going to be a little hard to do that when you're right in the beginning and maybe getting your first couple of clients. But once you start to evolve that niche, People can't refer someone that they're not quite sure what they do. Mm -hmm. So if anyone's wondering, yeah, I don't really get any referrals, but you're like an abundance coach, Mm -hmm. like chances are your network doesn't know how to refer to you. Like they wouldn't know, like who would I send? I don't know. Like, oh, that's great what you do, but I don't know how to refer. Mm -hmm. So you want to get so crystal clear on what you're known for, who you work with so that people know right? So referral sources are going to come from your clients. Having a referral program as soon as possible in your business is epic Mm. because no one knows better what it's like on the inside than your happy clients. Mm -hmm. So having a referral program with your clients is key. Even when I was mostly doing business online, we had a referral program. And every time I would do a live launch into my group program, we would have anywhere from 14 to 30% of the new clients coming into the program coming from our clients because we wow. would incent them to. We gave them commission. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently did a launch with a strategic partner and 20, no, wait, it was more than that. It was um, almost 50%. I think it was like 45% of all the new clients that came in were from that one strategic partner. Mm-hmm. So referrals from your clients that have a, have a program and sent them, we used to, it used to be more fun stuff like we could, and if you don't, if you don't, you know, financially want to, you know, cut part of your, you know, the, the, if you don't want to do commissions, you can also mm-hmm. give your time. You could say when uh, I did, I remember once I did a year of, you know, once a month, one-on-one with me for a year, whoever won the referral contest. Right. Mm-hmm. And that person drove in 14 lead, 14, not leads, 14 clients into the business. Wow. Right. So there are a, lots of different ways you can incent your current clients. But then you can also find strategic partners that it just makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I'll have, you know, um, strategic partners that 
what I do is a logical adjacent thing to what they do. And then they get they get paid for that, right? They get paid, they get a commission for referring. So strategic partners and referral from your clients, that's the easiest way. But then there's also ways in person, right? So I, I've seen now my clients, and this is where it gets hard. This is where it gets, a lot of fear can come up. What if I put together this thing in person and no one comes, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And but if no one comes, no one will know no one came. So it's okay, right? <laughs> right? No one was there, so it's all good. If we do that online, we're like okay, no one showed up on that Zoom. But you go mm-hmm. and you rent a, a back room of a, a restaurant, or you are doing a coffee, you know, meetup or whatever, and no one comes. Like you feel that, but got to take these chances sometimes, and so. Mm-hmm. You can start your own thing. You can start your own meetup, your own networking group, your own thing, or you find networking groups where either either your ideal dream client is is part of that network or the right strategic partners will be part of that network. Mm-hmm. So you either start your own or you get into one, but you start to actually do more belly-to-belly, face-to-face connection. I think of someone like Tony Robbins or even Bob Proctor who grew their businesses before there was ever a thing known as social media. Mm-hmm. Even even some like even like a Brooke Castillo who has a $50 million life coach school business, mm-hmm. she was not on social media until like a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. All right. It was all like she would host in-person things. She would do these mm-hmm. workshops. She would her offers were even in person. Mm-hmm. Right, but we forget that we have this like three D yeah. world out here, right? Yeah, and there's too. so many different options. You can partner up with someone and do something, but the more that you can start to think out of the box and start to think, well, where is my dream client hanging out anyway? Where can or can I start my own thing? Can I start mm-hmm. my own thing and invite them? Right, and it's the key though. Is you've got to, if you're going to start, if you're going to, the, the referral piece is the easiest. That's the easiest. If you're going to do maybe your own network or your own meetup thing or whatever, it is a little bit longer of a game, mm-hmm. right? The referral piece, like people are coming in and you're, you know, you're going to get clients and it's going to grow your business probably pretty quickly. You're going to start your own network, your own in-person thing. It's going to take a little bit more time to nurture those relationships, to serve and all of those things, to be that person bringing people together. But the payoff can be massive in the long run. So you just have to know that going in. It's not as like posting on social media and I'm hoping to get a client from doing this one Mm -hmm. post, which usually never happens anyway. And it's about spending more time in person. Mm-hmm. I'm a hybrid fan where if you're connecting with someone online, you know what? Try to do some local meetups with people too, you know? Like you can host an event and if those in your network are close enough, you can be talking about it on social media and do some meetups. There's so many different ways, but the key is to start to think of your marketing strategy as not just social media period mm-hmm. or email marketing period. Mm-hmm. Like there's a other world available to you to help grow that business um, that's not online. Yeah, absolutely. I love that because it is, it's a, it's like you're doing, I mean, I'll, oftentimes when I'll take social media, I'll say it's a networking event that you're doing on the internet, right? Like, um, 
but we do we forget that there's like actual you can still be in person meeting people engaging with your community building networks in real life but it does it seems like all businesses are online and that's like but i love but yeah like you said businesses have been building for years and years yeah. you know what so tony tony robbins and bob did the same thing they mm-hmm. literally would rent hotel rooms and they would put on seminars you know, and they would go like to different states, but like driving, like initially Bob mm-hmm. just drove to different, like, co- like cities and towns mm-hmm. would rent a hotel room and put on a seminar mm-hmm. and it would start to catch like wildfire. Right. But like, he, that's all he, he didn't have anything else. There were mm-hmm. no, uh, there was nothing else out there. You know, there was no social media. There was no online, anything. The Tony Robbins story, the first time he ever did something like that, he spent all the money he had. It was like $450, rented a hotel you know, space, and no one came. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then he did it again, you know? And so mm-hmm. it does require us to start thinking differently and yeah. putting in that. It, 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 we think it's more time consuming, but let's all be honest. How much time are we spending creating content? for social media mm-hmm. with the hopes that it will eventually maybe turn into a sale maybe at some point. I don't know, right? Like it's like I, yeah. balance your time better. Spend well, time on social media, but balance it with some in-person things too. Well, and I think that time isn't hour for hour equal. Like if I get energy from per- creating content, that is a different hour then if I get energy, you know, if I don't get energy from doing things in person or vice versa, I have so many people that I've worked with who social media drains the yeah. life out of them. Same. And they're like, you know, that hour spent on social media is very different than that hour spent connecting to real life humans. And you know what, you know what, I'm glad you said that because I too, it's kind of why I, mm-hmm. it's one of the messages that I have is, is that I do love social media. Like, so I personally mm-hmm. love it. Yeah, I love being on it, all the things, but I have a lot of clients that are just like what you just said. They're like, oh my gosh, I don't even love it. I don't even want to be on it that much and all the things. And I'll give you a great example. One of my clients, um, she is in Canada. She, she's actually my oldest client. She's going to be 80. I absolutely mm-hmm. love her. She's amazing. She has her, she's a coach. She's been like trying to grow this business, but she does not love social media. And her whole thing was, I'm posting and I'm not getting any consults. I'm like, well, it doesn't, you know, it's not so one-to-one and so linear. She ended up reaching out to her osteopath, her osteopathic doctor and said, listen, I'd love to run a workshop, Mm -hmm. you know, at your offices. You know, I think your people would be great. Let's do it. So she spent the time to create this presentation and then she showed up in live in person to deliver it with the people in that office and uh, patients of that doctor. And I remember she came to our coaching call like beaming. Talk mm-hmm. about energy. She said just being in person and being able to like speak, you know, and teach and have these people have a breakthrough. She goes, that was everything, right? Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't take much sometimes. We we make it seem bigger than it than it is. Mm-hmm. And that was huge for her. Now she's like, well, I want I'm gonna do a series now. Every month I'm gonna do something at the at the doctor's office, right? So mm-hmm. I had another client who did a um something at a local boutique. Mm-hmm. And the local boutique asked her, the owner was like, listen, why don't you come here and run an event? Mm-hmm. She's like, really? And like and so she ran the event and, and again, same energy, so happy, mm-hmm. loved connecting, 
booked consults from that. So, you know, you just have to think outside the social media box. Yeah. I'm thinking about when I was a boudoir photographer, I did, uh, I partnered with a local bar and we did a masquerade party and I put my photography everywhere. We like um, had like a signature cocktail. We did a photo booth. People wore masks. People were walking around. I went to like all the local boutiques and we got gifts that people could give. You know, we were, some people were walking around with like trays of jewelry to like hand out. It cost me very little because it was all part, we were all getting advertisements and it was huge for all of our businesses. Um, But it was just me thinking of what feels fun, a fun way to market this right now. Um, Instead of sitting behind my computer, trying to come up with like the perfect post, which I love creating content, right? It's like my main job, but um, I don't know. I think there's something to reconnecting to people in that way. And people are craving it. You know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of businesses, you know, had a lot of success in 2020 because everyone was home. They were mm-hmm. behind their computers and their phones and and mm-hmm. people are craving that more than ever, like that, that connection. Mm-hmm. And so lean into that if that's right for you. You know, I always mm-hmm. say that to people, like if it's right for you. I personally like to be home and doing things like on my computer and my phone and, you know, that freedom. But I do pepper in, like I'm doing a, a local um, meetup of any clients and any friends of theirs that want to come. I'm doing like a holiday, a holiday meetup so that, you know, I can actually see some of them in person mm-hmm. and they can bring some of their friends. And so you can find a balance that works for you but if it's correct for you. I just don't think it's been it, it's uh, there's enough information being shared out there because of because where are we getting our information online, right? Mm-hmm. So we're not we're not thinking outside the box sometimes, and it's literally timeless marketing, you know, mm-hmm. that businesses have been doing forever. And to that, I'll just say one more thing on this: observe, watch what your local businesses are doing. What it's going to give you ideas, you know. Watch what they're doing. How can you bring your services-based business into the fold of some of these, you know? Or how are they doing it? Here's another great way: good old mailing. Yeah. One of the things we did this year was we, um, I had bookmarks made up, and we sent actual physical mail <laughs> to all of our prior clients over the years. We just like we put it all together and I, I did a, a really nice you know card for them and a little gift because I just wanted to let them know that I'm still thinking of them and I appreciate them. And it's mm-hmm. that goodwill, right? And that connection. And I, I showed them, you know, things we've got going on and we'd love to, you know, have them come back to, you know, into the community. So just think about, look at what's coming into your mailbox. Look at what you're seeing local businesses are doing. Gain ideas, not just from social media, online gurus. There's a mm-hmm. lot you can get from that. Yeah. Gosh, Julie, this conversation has been so good. I know people are going to find it so helpful. How can people stay in contact with you or you know, connected to the work that you're doing? Yeah, two great ways. So one, if you love this, we all love, I'm a podcast host as well. Screenshot it post it on your stories, tag us uh, as well. I'll share, I'll share what you share. And that the biggest thing is podcasts. I mean, come to my podcast. I My co- podcast is called Brand and mm-hmm. it's all about niching and marketing and mixing the timeless with, you know, with, and with tools, like the better, you know, yourself with the Enneagram, the better you can market yourself. Right. So mm-hmm. Brand, the podcast is, is great to go check out if you want more of what I've been talking about here. And then follow me on Instagram and connect, but say hello. Let's have a connection. Yeah. Like, 
If you follow me on the on Instagram from this podcast, please say hi in the DMs. I'd love to to know that and um, making that personalized connection on social. Well, Julie, it was so good to have you. Thank you so much for being here and, and sharing all of this with us. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do too. Loved being here.